Hey everyone, welcome to A Mess Nonetheless. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melissa, and we are sisters. And welcome. Hello. Hello guys. We have a special guest with us. If you're on YouTube, you can already see her. If you are not, you have no idea because you're well, just here. <laughs> I, she waved she, at the, at the podcast. Wave. We have the privilege and honor of having my good friend Katie Olson with us. Katie, why don't you say hi? Hey there. Um, so Katie is going to talk with us today. We are talking about when your friends can't have children or don't have children. So kind of a two, mm-hmm. like a mix of they can't because of infertility or they've chosen not to sometimes because of infertility and sometimes not. Uh, so we hope you guys will listen to this episode regardless of where you're at, whether you have had kids for 40 years or five years or one year, or you're not even planning on having kids. Um, we believe that every single person listening to this podcast knows someone or will know someone who is experiencing childlessness and infertility or miscarriage and loss. And we believe that listening to this episode will help you, all of us, be better and more loving friends and family members to people walking through this. Um, So that is Mm -hmm. what we're going to be talking about today. So Katie, thanks for being here. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And we're going to ask you to just kind of share your story in a five-minute synopsis if you can. I know sometimes it's hard to consolidate it, but. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we have 10 plus years of infertility, so I will condense that. Um, I'll maybe hit some of the bigger points, Mm -hmm. but um, so basically, yeah. So my husband, Tim, is married to, um, I'm sorry, I'm married to him. (laughs) My husband, Tim. Yeah, I should have told you. This is what I didn't expect. My husband is married too. Oh my gosh. That's How funny. do I even begin? So my husband, Tim, is one of Rachel's husband's best friends. Yes. So that's yes. how we know each other. Yes. Um, but in any case, yeah, Tim and I got married back in 2013. And there, there's a seven-year age gap between us. Um, so we kind of, we wanted to start trying to have kids right away. Being a mom was like on the very top of my list of mm-hmm. things I wanted to do. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. way it wasn't a hard decision. Um but yeah, Tim and I were trying to have kids for a year and a half before I finally was like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. What do we do? So, you know, kind of had the the whole blood work done. Um, Tim had sperm tests done as well. We ultimately found out that he had low motility with his sperm. Um, my blood work otherwise looked fine. And so we decided to go down the path of intrauterine inseminations or IUIs. Low motility um, is like slow swimmers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just it's good for people to know. Pay three, like I don't know. What yeah. Means. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So they're slow. Everything else on everything else looked good. It was just that motility issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, doctors recommended either IVF or IUI. Um, IVF was out of our price range, so we decided to go to try the IUIs. Um, prior to doing so, um, I needed to kind of have tests done. So I, I started with an ultrasound and then the exact same week they called me back. They were like, we need to have you in for an MRI. Same week they called me back and said, we need to have you take an x-ray and it's called like an HSG x-ray. It's really painful. <laughs> it is painful. It's surprisingly painful. Um, yes. If oh any of our gosh. listeners are listening and don't know, like we went through years of infertility and only had babies through IVF. So I'm like, yes, this, yeah. Anyways, very painful. So crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> Um, and so ultimately all of those three tests, uh, they found that I had what's called a septate uterus. So it's basically just like a wall of muscle in my uterus. And they're like, you have to have that surgically removed before we do any IUIs. So I had that done. That was back in 2016. I had surgery to remove that. And then, um, 
we were both kind of like, let's give myself a little bit of time to rest, take a little break. Um, And then kind of simultaneously, we needed to save up money for purchasing our own house. So we kind of put things on hold um, until 2018, early 2018, we were finally able to do those IUIs. We we tried three. All three were unsuccessful. And then that was kind of, you know, they, they still had a cost to them. It was definitely yeah. a few thousand dollars each, um, each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the end fast. of that, we, oh my gosh, it really does. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, Minnesota doesn't have any mandatory coverage mm-hmm. for insurance for in, uh, for infertility. So everything's paid mm-hmm. out of pocket in right. Minnesota, which is um, hard. Well, so. and very few people just have 10 yeah. grand laying around in hopes of I having, know. I mean, kids oh are expensive. Gosh. You don't expect to pay 10 grand totally. to still not be pregnant at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. And it's like I was working for a nonprofit. Tim was a teacher, so like you know, yeah. we didn't yeah. have a huge budget. So, mm-hmm. um, in any case, so once that last one um didn't work, this was April um of 2018. I was like, okay, I need to prove to myself that I can do something really hard. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for the Twin Cities Marathon, <laughs> and this was kind of simultaneously around my 30th birthday. Um, and so I ran the Twin Cities Marathon in October 2018. Um. Really hard. Never going to do that again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I did it. And I finished it. And that felt good. Um, but, yeah, I kind of correlate. That was, like, my birth story. Like, yeah. that was the one thing that I could fabricate as my birth yeah. story. You need yeah. to control something. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was totally it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess kind of fast fast forward, and I know this is getting lengthy. Um, again, 10 years history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started getting some ovarian cysts. This was kind of around like 2021. Um, I hadn't had any before, got super bloated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then later on that year, I decided to run a half marathon again, not going to do that again. <laughs> I just don't think <laughs> long distance running is for my body. Um, and I, I, so I think I, I never had this medically, um, confirmed, but um, I had an ovarian cyst that ruptured during that half marathon. Oh, that's why I'm like, okay, race? running maybe isn't bad. Oh my gosh. During the race, oh yeah, mile gosh. nine. Yeah, it was it was bad. You had them and no. you're like doubled over and like you can't move. Like I can't even believe that. Right. I never heard that. Well, part. I and was running, running a half marathon is bad enough. <laughs> and then adding anything else to it sounds terrible. Exactly. And I was running with two friends and I felt so bad. I made them walk a couple of times with me, but I was like, I have to finish this. Yeah. Anyway. So then um, kind of also around this time, this is like late 2021, early 2022, I learned about functional medicine and that was just kind of opened up a whole new pathway for us um, because, yeah, as you mentioned in the beginning, Rachel, like Tim and I decided um, like after those IUIs um, failed, we just needed to take a break. We needed to practice complacency with our lives, mm-hmm. um, not having mm-hmm. kids. Um, but what I learned about functional medicine, so basically alternative medicine, um, it kind of opened up a whole new world for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe instead of, um, you know, the only answer we had been given by doctors was IVF, go Mm -hmm. do IVF, but it was out Mm -hmm. of our budget. So this kind of opened up a whole new, um, realm for me to kind of dig into. Um, and then 2022, um, I saw a fertility acupuncturist, which was really cool, um, loved it. I saw her for every week for nine months, but then at the end of that, she was like, honey, you need more help than what I can give you. And that was a little Mm -hmm. bit of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of later on, I guess this is just only in 2023, about 
eight months ago, maybe I was um, formally diagnosed with PCOS, mm-hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh my word. Yeah. And a break. Was, yeah. Well, and it was kind of one of those things where like, I looked back at my past test results. You know, one of the things with PCOS is, is that you have ele- elevated testosterone. And back when I first had my blood test run, I didn't show elevated mm-hmm. testosterone. So this is something my body's been developing, kind of building mm-hmm. towards. Yeah. But in any case, and I've kind of done a lot of research, ultimately what I've decided is that um, stress, stress is the one thing that really affects my body. Mm-hmm. So I've been oh. really trying to work hard to mm-hmm. decrease my stress levels so mm-hmm. that I don't get ovarian cysts. Yeah. Those have been mm-hmm. for sure a correlation. <clears throat> and just so that I can help balance my hormones and yeah. And the bees. Now to be clear, if you're listening and you have infertility, like we're not saying, oh, that's because you're stressed. Like go on vacation. That's not no. Katie's talking about the way right. stress affects her body personally. Yes. And that Correct. in order to keep her body under some sort of control, I guess. It, it, yeah. So just to be clear, if anyone's listening. Also, if you're listening, yes, you did not sure. go through infertility, do not tell people going through infertility. Maybe you're just stressed. <laughs> yes. Totally. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Katie's not this saying is a that. Singular, this is a conversation with Katie about what her body does. And I know my body reacts to stress yes. poorly in a whole different world, not infertility related at all. So yes, thank you for clarifying that because <laughs> like, a lot of relationships could have been ruined exactly. with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amen, amen, amen. And they could, could be like, well, two more. women on, with infertility said it's stress. And we're like, no, 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 we're not no, saying that. That's not, no. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you mentioned that yeah. because it's so true. Well, and I know yes, that's not what she's saying. 100%. Yeah. So no. Katie... I want to talk about what are some of the hardest things about living in a world. I mean, you guys are involved. You have friends. You go to church. You know, you're involved in ministry, things like that. What are some of the hardest parts about living in a world in your – I mean, Tim's 42. Is that right? 43, 43. now. Yeah. I was going to say in your mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that old yeah. man, he's even older than you. <laughs> <laughs> the joke at Katie's wedding and Katie and Tim's wedding was that Tim wanted to be married when like the rest of us were getting married, you know, like 22. But we were like, well, Katie was like in middle school. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to wait for her. So what are some of the hardest parts about living yes. in a world at your age where you're childless mm-hmm. and most people are mm-hmm. in a different season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yes. It's been, gosh, you know, obviously hard in so many ways. And kind of what I view, um, how I view kind of where we're currently at. You know, we're we're in grief, but you know, there's five stages of grief, Mm -hmm. one of which is acceptance. So we're in that acceptance phase. However, that doesn't mean that we don't slip into other parts of that Mm -hmm. phase here and there Mm -hmm. in situations where we see something, you know, maybe a mom's not being kind to her child Mm -hmm. or it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. that just kind of pulls at the heartstrings or something, Mm -hmm. you know, something, anything like that. So all that to say, that's kind of what we're the stage we're in right now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, overall, um, it's, yeah, you have to kind of hold it in two different palms. You, and one of the things that I try to practice is in a situation where I know, like, for example, baby shower, that's kind of like, it's just an easy example of something, Mm -hmm. you know, for women who can't have kids, as you can imagine, is a hard situation. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I feel like it's one of those situations too where can you practice pushing your feelings aside for that shower, for that moment, so that you can love that new mom, so that you can love that new baby coming into this world? Because um, 
as hard as that may sound. And, and if you're not in that stage yet, don't worry about it. Like if you can't go to baby showers, don't worry about it. Don't do it. But that's what I try to just focus on for a little while, just so that I can love them. Um, to push your feelings aside. So that's kind of a little bit going into what I would argue is a challenge Mm -hmm. for any women in my, um, Mm -hmm. in kind of in my shoes, but ultimately as you ask your question to answer your question, um, yeah, there's, there's a longing, there's a wanting to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, this may sound silly, but like, it makes me feel young. Like the fact that we can't have kids, um, it makes me feel inept. Oh, no, kind of in a bad way. Yeah. Childish or like, yeah, yeah, matured to that phase or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, but I want to be there, you know? So that's again, kind of maybe a silly example. No, Um, silly at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. And then ultimately just not really able to relate to my good friends Mm -hmm. on a deeper level that Mm -hmm. I would love to relate to them on. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like you have, you want the title of mom. I mean, Katie would be the most amazing mother like ever. And, and it's like, it's been stripped from you. Or like robbed, like you've been mm. robbed of that title. That and Tim, like Tim would be the most amazing dad. Like truly, I cannot think of more, two more deserving people to have children than the two of you. And um, and it does feel like you should have that title, and it's been like stripped from you. Mm. And there's oh man, that's really good. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, there and that's where the grief comes in. You're missing someone that's not there, but you're also missing something you should have been given, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody, totally. most people are just have children. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not like you're asking for a million dollars. You're just asking for what right. God designed <laughs> us to for do. something unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. that, yeah, that very few people have. Mm-hmm. It's something that the majority of people are able to yeah. have. And so, yeah. yeah. I want to ask yeah, Katie absolutely. too, do you feel like there's a sense of being excluded with being in your season of life, your age without children, mm-hmm. you know, activities, communities you feel like you don't fit into, or do you feel like you have found a community or group where people just invite you to everything regardless of having kids or not having mm-hmm. kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, we're, we're involved in our church and, uh, Tim, uh, on Wednesday nights, Tim works with the youth group on Wednesday nights. I work with the children's. Um, so in a way I feel like that, you know, we're able to get involved in these kids' lives without having our own kids. Um, definitely almost feel in a way almost end up there too, because it's like, we don't have kids. So mm-hmm. I, I think I know what I'm doing. I, you know, sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to love on these kids yeah. and, and teach them about Jesus. Um, but you know, in other situations, I think, um, you know, when it comes down to it, like if we're, if I'm hanging out with a group of friends, for example, um, yeah, I think where some of that exclusion comes in is that, and I can only imagine like moms, they just want to talk about their kids. Like, I feel like I would do that exact same thing right. if I were a mom, you know, that's like the biggest, uh, you know, kids are the biggest part of your lives. And I completely understand why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and so it's kind of in that situation where I'm with a group of friends, they have kids, I can't relate, mm-hmm. you know, and then I start to feel a little bit uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, I, I want to be able to be a part of this conversation mm-hmm. and I can't. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I remain silent and that's, that can be hard in, at times. Yeah. Um, but some ways that, you know, friends include us mm-hmm. and we appreciate this so much is just like, 
still have us over, you know, like if it's a kid's birthday party, for example, we love to be there. Like we love your kids, genuinely love your kids. We pray for your kids. We want to know about their lives. We want to know about them Mm -hmm. and, and what you feel. Um, I think where it gets hard for us sometimes though, is when we are, you know, ask us questions too. You know, Mm -hmm. we, even though we don't have kids, ask us how work is, you know, ask us what's going on in our lives. So that we can feel like we can contribute yeah, to the conversation, that contribute sense. to, you know, things. So that makes us feel a little bit, a little bit good. Yeah. So you don't necessarily <laughs> feel excluded in um, activities. It's just within the activities, you're like, is there a place for us here? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think there yeah. are people, you know, in your position who do feel excluded. Like, well, people don't invite us because we don't have kids. They don't invite us to a play date at the park or they don't invite us to a birthday party for a kid. And, um, but it sounds like you have a group of people who do that and that means a lot to you. You want to keep being mm-hmm. invited. Well, everybody wants to yeah. be invited. Like even if you don't mm-hmm. go. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, it leads us right into our next question which you already touched on is because let me pause and say when we talk about a topic like this, we understand a small percentage of our listeners are going to relate. However, a large percent of our listeners know someone who yeah. this relates to. And so not only are we, do we hope they're sharing it with them, but also we're hoping they will listen and learn, okay, what can I do when I have a friend in a position like you, Katie? I want to know what kinds of things would you encourage our listeners who have children to do more of with or for their childless friends? Now, you already mentioned one thing. You said ask us questions too, or maybe two, invite us and ask us questions. Those mm-hmm. are phenomenal you know, answers. But is there anything else – you would encourage our listeners who have children to do when they have friends or family who are going through infertility or Mm. just don't have children. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's the age old question of, you know, when somebody passes in your life, a situation like infertility, you know, there's that question of, do I ask them about it or Mm -hmm. do I not? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think nowadays, you know, I, um, Obviously, there's been a stigma about infertility from us, you know, beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's becoming a little bit less of because, I mean, it's becoming more of a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, the statistic still states one in eight um, couples oh, I thought it was one in go five. through infertility. It could have decreased. Yeah, yeah, I haven't looked at that in a little while, mm-hmm. which is great. Like, that's such a huge percentage mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think asking your friends, family members, whomever who are going through infertility or trying to have kids or trying to adopt or anything like that, ask them how that's going for them. And I think they'll be, they will absolutely be honest with you. If they can't talk about it, if Mm -hmm. they can't handle that conversation, you know, they won't, um, you know, or hopefully I would hope that they would kindly tell you, like, I don't really want to talk about Mm -hmm. that. But ultimately I think for me, it was something I always wanted to talk about um, because it was such a huge part of our mm-hmm. lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also I kind of wanted to explain to people like, this is why we can't, you know, we don't have kids because we can't have kids. Right. So um, being able to have an open conversation, um, asking me about it in the past, that's been really helpful. Um, I think, and, and like I said, I just said, um, I've been really open about this in my past. I think the only some of the only times, so if there's a woman out there going through infertility and you haven't spoken um, about this to many people, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Do do what you need. I think the one piece of wisdom I would share is that the hardest part 
being open about our story has been is when um, new moms-to-be come up to me and tell me they're pregnant. And not because they're pregnant, because they feel bad yeah. telling me that they're pregnant. Yeah. And that, like, breaks my heart. I'm like, no, like, don't feel bad that you're pregnant. I want to rejoice with mm-hmm. you and, and you know, be so excited with you. But, you know, every time they've been, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like, don't feel that way. Yeah. Like, I, I, but I so appreciate why. Yeah they tell me that way. But that's like the one part that I would um, argue has been a little bit like, oh, I regret sharing my story Mm -hmm. because they've had to share their pregnancy with me in that way. Well, Katie, it's, it's, it's you know, and you know, I totally get what you're saying, but you're probably mm -hmm. the only person they, you know, maybe one of two people that they have to do that with. Everyone else in the entire world is rejoicing. So I would not put that on yourself. If they are choosing to be sensitive to you, they're not sad they're pregnant. They don't feel bad for themselves they're pregnant. They just feel bad for you that you have to find out they're pregnant. Like I would not take that upon yourself because literally everyone else in the entire world is celebrating for them and with them. Yes. (laughs) And you are too, but they're taking care of you in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge you to like reframe your thinking with that because – as somebody who's gone through infertility, I had to tell somebody who had lost their last baby. They were super mm-hmm. fertile, but they lost their last baby and their last chance to have another baby. Um, oh. And I did the same thing. I, I dealt with it with tenderness and compassion. And I wouldn't have wanted her to feel bad for me that I had to do that. I was mm-hmm. like, everyone was so excited. We went through IVF. We paid all this money and we had just had a failed pregnancy loss and IVF right before. And I didn't feel bad for myself. I just – that's being a good friend. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's helpful to hear. Thank yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> I've well, never really shared that. So yeah, I'm glad you did, and I hope that that helps you and anyone else who's listening. Um, and anyone who's listening who is like, I do have this friend who's going through fertility, or maybe has just had a miscarriage or something like that. I do encourage you to continue to be sensitive, but maybe just hear what Katie's saying. It's like, you know, just walk a balance of like, I'm not sad. I'm pregnant. I'm just sad. You have to hear this information, mm-hmm. or I just want to be sensitive as I'm sharing it or whatnot. Well, and then I know you said you like people asking you how you were doing in your infertility and how things were going. And I would agree. I felt the same way. And this is for someone who's open. We're not suggesting you pry to someone who's clearly shut Mm. the doors of discussing it. However, for me, I did not like being asked at a happy occasion because I felt very put on the spot. So if I was at a family member's wedding and everyone's enjoying themselves and having fun, because it could move me to the brink of tears like instantly. And I – didn't want to be interrupted from my fun. And so, but I would have much preferred someone to call me or this was back when we hardly texted, but (laughs) call me or texted me, you know, now send a Facebook message or whatever and just say, hey, I didn't want to bother you with the wedding about this, but I just want you to know, I'm wondering how you're doing. I've been praying for you. Like for me, I preferred that because then I could get it on my own time and I could receive it in my own way. And if I needed to cry over it, you know, it's like then I'm just alone versus being like, now I have to go enjoy the rest of this wedding, but I'm like about to cry. And so for yeah. me, that was what I needed. I didn't want to be asked in the middle of a baby shower or at a wedding or at a fun gathering unless I was like, you know, sometimes you're at a gathering and you've really gone away with someone and you're just really talking. Then it's different. Yeah. I really just wanted to be asked in a personal and one-on-one way when I didn't feel on display. And so I'll just throw that out there. You know, everybody's not going to be the same as me, but that was huge for me. I really struggled when I'd be asked. And it was good-intentioned people who loved me, and that's why they were asking, but it was hard. Well, that's – I was thinking that when Katie was sharing 
what she wants. And I was like, oh, interesting, because I know that that's not always the case with everybody. Um, And as a person who has not struggled with infertility but has had people in my Mm -hmm. life, my sister obviously being one of them, what I would encourage to people in my situation is if you are unsure if now is the time to ask them a question, pause and pray Mm -hmm. and just ask God to really show you when the right time Mm -hmm. is. Like Rachel said, maybe now is not the right time, but message them later and say, I was thinking about you, but I didn't want to interrupt your fun. Mm -hmm. So I just want to, you know, but if you feel a sense like, no, this person really wants to talk, Mm -hmm. then, you know, let the Holy Spirit kind of lead you. And, and, and also just know that you're not going to always get it right. Like you just, there's so many personalities out there. Mm-hmm. Even in those personalities, situationally, things are going to be different. Like maybe today one, you know, Katie feels amazing and can talk about it. Maybe mm-hmm. tomorrow she'll be like, please don't mention it ever again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, um, and so our intentions can be honorable and great and we can still get it wrong. Right. And Absolutely. That's unfortunate, but it is part of life. <laughs> Human true. life. It's yes. so true. <laughs> um, okay. So we talked about the kinds of things that, you know, people, could do for their loved ones or whatever. Let's talk about the people who um, who maybe are a little bit more closed off about their journey or haven't shared much or don't want to share much. Obviously, that's not you or I, Katie, but we, having been through infertility, I've met a lot of people along the way, you know, but I want to say if you have someone in your life like that and you're like, I'm not even really sure what's going on or whatever, hmm. I just want to encourage you just send a card, send a message and just say no pressure to ever talk. Just know I'm praying for you and I'm always here. Mm-hmm. And just leave it there. Because I think people in that situation, they still – they feel alone even though they're not in, including people in their journey. It doesn't mean they're not grieving. And just to be – share with them like, I just want you to know I love you. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. And I'm always here, you know. And then another thing I would encourage people to do is make connections. So like people message me all the time. Hey, I know this person who's going through infant adoption or foster care, or teenage adoption, or infertility, right? Or embryo adoption, literally Mm -hmm. all the things we've done. And they're like, can I connect you? And I'm like, yep, absolutely. It is always a yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I take a little bit of time to get back to people. but And I would suggest if you're going to connect people who are going through infertility, ask them, do you want to be connected? And then ask the other person, are you willing to be, you know, a connection? But like Katie's been through this 10 years. If you know someone who's now just 12 months into this, there's a lot they could learn from Katie. Mm. And so, you know, if Katie was in your life and you had her phone number, you could be like, could I connect you with this friend if she wants that? And like, I have always been someone who's willing to connect people and being willing to be connected with people. And Katie, I think you would probably agree that that's helpful for people. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All right. I want to hear some things that, um, some of the biggest things God has taught you in these years of infertility and being childless, Mm. because we know there's a host of them. Oh, goodness. Yes, the Lord has been in this 100%. Um, And kind of going back to the beginnings of our journey, um, you know, prior to this infertility journey, um, I hadn't really ever experienced grief before. Never had lost um, grandparents or just hadn't experienced that really visceral grief before. so this was on it was really the first time having been kind of dropped into the deep end of grief. Um and honestly in kind of during this time we were dealing with compound grief. Um to, both Tim and I lost grand, uh, grandmas. Uh we had to put our dog down. So there were there were things that were mm-hmm. kind of piled on when it comes to grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of describe it as that kind of the beginning stages is of our grief or being when we were in the depth of it like this this vortex of darkness that kept just like zoning it like I just 
gave me tunnel vision of just darkness. And I couldn't, I mean, yeah, I'm married to the sweetest man. He, there were times when I'd walk in my closet before work, literally, you know, tried on a clothing item that maybe didn't fit and crawl into bed because I just couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, and he would just gently coax me and tell me I could do it. Mm -hmm. But so in those times, um, basically until that darkness crept in completely, um, I was just at work one day, literally just going to the bathroom, number one. And, um, (laughs) just in case (laughs) necessary information, just in case. Um, and so, you know, it's like, the most menial thing you could be doing, which I think the Lord meets you in those places so many times. Um, and I literally just in my brain, I felt in my heart, I felt him put, um, surely the Lord is in this place and that it was not aware. Mm-hmm. So Jacob's dream mm-hmm. from Genesis. Um, and it was like, it was like, I saw a pinprick of light again. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the Lord is in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Holy cow. It mm-hmm. was, um, yeah, that was monumental for me. And so from that moment on, um, yeah, I, I, I just, there were things that like songs that would come into my life that I was like, oh my gosh, I need this, that I would just kind of use as prayer. Um, because interestingly enough, this whole time, the one thing I feel like I can pray for is the Lord's will to be done. Mm-hmm. I've definitely prayed specifically for kids. Right. I've definitely prayed for that. But Ultimately, I feel like that's the one thing that I keep going back to is the Lord's will be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so in any case, yeah, they were just, yeah, like I said, songs and um, Bible verses that would just kind of come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I felt like the Lord was so kind and gentle to us during that time. Yeah. Um, I kind of correlated our um, story to like being in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um where, you know, you're kind of just wandering around, mm-hmm. not really sure what's going on. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's with you during that time. Um, so that's been, that was kind of the beginning, you know, part of that. And since then, um, I've really come to understand the importance of waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a mm-hmm. biblical concept and I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, say that, oh, look at us. We're so holy. We're going through waiting. Yeah. It's, it's so biblical. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to say that. But all, it is but a biblical gosh, concept. You are not it, wrong. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. There's so many stories of waiting. And obviously, you know, in the Bible, there's Hannah's story. I always, I always actually really kind of studied. Um, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the three, you know, patriarchs mm-hmm. and and their wives, like they couldn't have kids either, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, I, um, you know, you know, God speaks to Abraham that his offspring, offspring will be as numerous as the stars. Mm-hmm. And yet he and Sarah, and Sarah can have kids for so many years. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like this, like correlation to faith in when you're waiting, mm-hmm. um, which I'm still kind of trying to grapple. Is it, is it a testing of your faith or is it more so a building of your faith? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Um, and, but the interesting part is that ever since middle school, I always thought like the Lord had gifted me with the gift of faith, mm. the spiritual gift of faith. And so I'm like, how does this correlate in my life? Like, mm. what are you trying to teach me, Lord? And that is the piece I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, 
there's a quote by R.C. Sproul, um, and he says, in a real sense, hope is faith looking forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I've been keeping in my back pocket yeah. um, is just hope as faith looking forward. Yeah, I love that. So I have a question. You seem very um, sweet in your demeanor about this. You seem – I mean, I can see faith all over your words and just even just – even the way you are – sharing yourself with us, like your presence. And um, have you gone through periods where you've been angry and bitter? Like, has that been a part of your journey? Because I think if so, and I see you nodding and saying <laughs> yes, like I think people need to hear that because yeah. I, because you are, you seem like you're in such a good place, which is amazing, mm-hmm. but clearly you've been going through this a long time. Mm-hmm. But I could imagine that the woman sitting here being like, I'm just pissed right now. Yeah. I'm not okay yeah. with this yeah. needs to hear your part of that story. I uh, thank you for mentioning that. I'm really, really, really glad you mentioned that because yes, Absolutely. hundred percent. Again, I feel like because we've been in this spot where like, this is our reality, we've needed to practice contentment. Um, yeah, this has been my kind of, um, this has been the space I've been living in now for, mm-hmm. I mean, since like 2018. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been a long time. Um, but holy cow, a hundred percent, you know, in the thralls of that darkness, what I was Oh my word. I dealt with a lot of anger. I dealt with mm-hmm. depression and anxiety. I had never dealt with anxiety before. And suddenly that just reared its head mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything left me completely reeling. It was like, I, I just felt like I couldn't, um, I couldn't function as myself. I lost yeah. my joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was also kind of going back to why I chose to run a marathon. I, I just, I needed to like find that all Mm -hmm. of those Mm -hmm. and don't, yeah, don't not feel that way. Like, yeah, you have to, uh, you have to feel those feelings. You are hope of what can come that God can pull you through those and you don't have to live in that for the rest of your life. And obviously so much of that is because you pressed in to the Lord and you Mm -hmm. were like, I I refuse to stay here. Like even just taking physical action of running a marathon to like get out of the place you were in, like sometimes that, Mm -hmm. that physical actions can get us somewhere spiritually. I mean, like I know I've running actually has been a very spiritual thing for Mm -hmm. me in the past. Like God totally met me when I used to be able to run and, um, taught me a lot and spoke to me a lot Mm -hmm. and just kind of dissolved a lot of things in me through that. And so I love that you did that, but I also agree that if you're in the Mm -hmm. space right now where you're like, I'm just angry, that's okay. Yes. So Katie, one thing you said that I think is really important for us to touch on, and I know we really need to wrap this up, but this is really important is you keep talking about grief. And I know when we went through infertility, it did not occur to me for a long time that what I was experiencing was grief. Mm. And when I did, it was so eye-opening and validating Mm. because I had huge, massive, horrible emotions and feelings all the time. I felt out of control. And I know people walking through legitimate Mm. grief, a loss of a child or sister or spouse Mm. or whatever, they feel enormous grief over them at all times of the day. And I thought I was going crazy. And I I think some people around me might've thought I was as well. And when I realized this is grief, it's like a backwards grief. You're grieving what never came or hasn't come. It helped me feel so much better about the fact that I need to feel these feelings. I have to. And you said that, don't not feel these feelings. You have to feel them. Mm -hmm. You don't just stay there. And I certainly worked very hard and I know you have as well to not stay there. Mm -hmm. But it is a part of the process. And like you were talking about the five stages of grief, being angry and in mm-hmm. denial and, you know, acceptance is part of it. And I definitely got mm-hmm. to those through those stages as well or went through those stages. And I think if you're listening 
you're going through infertility or miscarriage, you know, whatever it is, and you um, have not recognized that it's grief, I hope that that's really good news. And if you're listening and you have children, but you know people going through fertility, I hope you will recognize and acknowledge that what they're walking through is a grief. And it's yeah. kind of until – I mean, it, there's a it's kind of unending because – That's what I was going to say. Um, until you have children, which for Katie, you know, 10 years later, they're still in this process. Mm-hmm. It's like something you have to live with all the time. And so I think yeah. that's mm-hmm. a really important – I'm really glad that you use that word so we can also touch on that for people mm-hmm, yeah. on both sides of the spectrum. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and if I can I just – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I think that something that um, I was thinking through the grief, I experienced a lot of grief after we had our adoption, like when we had a failed adoption, that was completely confusing and grief was absolutely the word that I would use. But what I was going to say is that what I have seen with people in regards to miscarriage loss, adoption loss, infertility, is that a lot of times people... um, Invalidated? All my words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was like, I lost my words. Almost like... You're but, still feeling, but that you're way? okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like why? Yeah, there, they, there's like a nobody died, or yeah, correct. Yes, like I don't understand why. The, I don't think people recognize it as grief. I guess that that's it. Like because when we, when somebody loses a child, loses a parent, loses a sister, like you said, a spouse, everybody sees their grief. Everybody mm-hmm. ex- yeah. respects that mm-hmm. grief. Everybody helps them in the process. Whereas I think that, and so I, I also agreed when you said grief in the very beginning, I was like, that is a brilliant yeah. word because mm-hmm. it is an ongoing grief. Like Rachel mm-hmm. said, where is the end of it? And, um, and when we invalidate it, it is, it makes the grief worse. I think mm-hmm. when, when you aren't validated in how you are feeling, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're more insane. Cause then you feel like you have to fight for what you're feeling yeah. to, and it's like, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being on today. We hope that people mm-hmm. um, will gain something from this all sides of the spectrum. And um, we yeah. just really appreciate you sharing your story with us and walking us through some things. For yes. sure. Thanks for having a platform for me to share it. Yeah. And I do Aww. hope it, it maybe helps some people out there. Yes. Me too. You're awesome. All right. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. You Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Your life is a mess, but don't feel bad. Ours is too, but we own a microphone and we have no shame. That's why we'll talk about how our life is a mess nonetheless. That's the name of our podcast.